What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias towards the Indiana Pacers. I almost forgot how to start the pod because it's been a couple of weeks, guys, but we had some news drop from Adrian Wojnarowski today. Uh, the votes have been counted. The tallies are in, and the NBA Players Association has voted to start the NBA season on the 22nd of December 2020. Justin, this is the only vote that the Pacers care about right now. The other ones uh, we're trying to ignore for the duration of this podcast, but uh, it's uh, it's weird to have basketball coming back so soon after it just finished, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, not much going on in the world in the moment, is there? Um, but yeah, good, good to talk NBA, not politics for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great to have the NBA back in, what, eight, nine weeks. I think there's part of me that goes, well, like you mentioned, Adam, NBA is going to be back already. You know, teams like Lakers and Miami, geez, they've just come off, a, uh, you know, an NBA finals. But I saw a tweet before, I think 75% of the league haven't played, like, since March and June. So it's like, well... You've got so many players who have been out since, you know, the Rudy Gobert um, OKC COVID game um, that, you know, these teams need to get, get back playing. So, yeah, I'm pumped. I, I cannot wait for the season to start. Alex, uh, I bet you were pretty stoked to see some Woj uh, announcements today to take you away from politics. Uh, how excited are you for the basketball to be back in uh, just over a month's time? Incredibly excited, but I think I'm more excited to... Uh finally see that Woj notification and not some random, you know, beat writer from Philadelphia with a thousand <laughs> followers tweeting some other deeper rumor at uh, six in the morning. So oh. it's good to, good to see some reliable sources back on, back on the timeline. <laughs> I'm almost and ready like to mute said. the word Oladipo for uh, the next <laughs> month or so, just so I can avoid any and all rumors, aren't you? Exactly. I think we all are. <laughs> all three of us are probably tired of it. I think most Pacers fans are, aren't they? But yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic to have basketball back, and it's going to be a, a whirlwind, isn't it? There's going to be so much happening in in not so long of a time. So you know, uh, paces. Oh, Kevin Pritchard, I should say, and and the front office have a lot of work to do um, from now till November and then December. Yeah, it's uh, we've got 13 days until draft day, and the trade moratorium is going to be lifted sometime between now and then, likely to be in the day or two leading up to the NBA draft. Then we're going to have the draft on uh, November 18, American time, November 19, our time. And immediately thereafter, in the next day or two, we're going to enter free agency, which is insane because usually we have a good sort of seven days or so before July, before June 30 is July 1st from draft day. And we have that week to sort of catch our breath, read a bunch of rumors, uh, talk ourselves into Ricky Rubio, and then all of a sudden, Malcolm Brogdon happens and the Pacers pull a fast one on us. I want to talk about the impact of this timeline, this turnaround to the Indiana Pacers. Obviously, new coach, Nate Bjorkren, uh, starting his very first head coaching job. We, we spoke about that in the last episode. But look, Alex, I'm going to start with you and I'm, I'm going to give you my view and we'll see, see what you think. But I think with a ball club that is focused on veterans with... Uh, an all-star that doesn't look like being traded, that looks like trying to, at the very least, prove that that he still has all-star value in this league uh, as he seeks for his next contract. 
Um, I can see this quick turnaround being a real positive for a team like the Pacers. I don't think there's going to be a lot of change with the core pieces of the starting lineup of this team. Um, I think there's going to be a fresh face on the bench and that's going to interject some positivity and some excitement to the ball club. So I think the quick turnaround uh, is going to suit teams like the Pacers. And and it's also, I think, going to result in a lot more continuity or, or teams that are having a lot more continuity uh, being rewarded for that continuity. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think, you know, people took for granted last season that the Pacers had a massive roster overhaul, right? They had nine new players on the roster. That is not normal, especially for the Indiana Pacers. So I think, as you mentioned, I would be surprised if we make, you know, or if we see, sorry, more than one or two new players on the roster this this next season. But I think to have that continuity is so important. And to give guys like Domas, Miles, a, another chance, even if it's just three quarters of a season to see if they can work. That's super important. You know, these guys are the future of your franchise. Um, I think to, to have this core group, this starting lineup, have a full season together. What did they play last season? Like, you know, 10 games together before the playoffs, maybe not even that many. So, you know, to have a full season under their belt is going to be huge. And, you know, uh, yeah, look, it's easy to be, pessimistic about the Oladipo situation I think that's fair enough but I think it's also a a really exciting time to be a Pacers fan and we were the fourth seed last season yeah we got swept but I think when fully healthy this team is uh is going to be one to watch out for speaking of pessimistic about the Oladipo situation Justin uh I'm, I'm really interested in your thoughts uh there's a lot of reports flying around there's a really quick turnaround time between last season and this season, it doesn't look like there'll be significant roster moves from the Pacers. Um, it certainly doesn't sound that way. It sounds like they're just going to roll the dice with the existing lineup uh, with it, no significantly new pieces. Um, how how are you feeling about that? What are your thoughts on the NBA start time? What are your thoughts on the roster potentially staying exactly the same from last season? I'm on the fence. Like, I, I agree with everything Alex said. Um, and that's a real positive outlook on the team, which I love. Um, and, yeah, everything you said was correct. But you've then got to look at it from the other side of the fence, and that's how many years in a row have we been swept? You know, we just fired Nate McMillan, who, you know, I think all Pacer Nation can agree did a very good job in the regular season. Um, so Nate McMillan wasn't a problem with his team. So if, if we're just going to fire the coach and expect, oh, all our problems are solved, well, no, that, that's not the case. You know, we, we have to get deeper. The bench does not give us the output we need. You know, Doug McDermott, Justin Holiday played terrible in the bubble. Um, was that just because it was the bubble and everything going on and, you know, they'll be better off next year? Who knows? I'm pretty sure um, TJ McConnell, we've only got 24 to 48 hours to pick up his option or he's gone. Um, so that'll be really interesting because I, I think he was one of our better bench players, although he was someone who didn't perform well in the bubble either, although he didn't get much game time. But, um, yeah, I, I think we do have to make a move. I know everyone knows my stance on all the Um Look, it's getting less and less likely that teams actually want him. They want to see he's healthy and, and can play at his all-star level because, um, let's be honest, what team saw of Oladipo the past three months, um, no one would want him. It's uh, look, it's pretty honest, and, and I don't disagree with it. I think um, it, it's it would be really interesting to see how this team 
use as Oladipo this upcoming season. I mean, before the injury, he was clearly the leading scorer. He was the um, the focal point of the offense last season. Domas assumed that role and with great success and obviously an all-star berth. Uh, we saw the the impact of the Brogdon Sabonis pick and roll. Uh, we saw obviously TJ Warren uh, be consistently scoring around that 20 mark. Uh, so it will be very, very interesting to see how Nate Bjorkren integrates Oladipo and, and harnesses Turner's um, skill set uh, in this offense. And I want to, uh, I guess, ask a, a question to you, Alex, on those two players. Uh, who do you think has more at stake um, this season, Victor Oladipo or Miles Turner? Oh, Vic. <laughs> you know, I think in terms of, of longevity and in terms of him having one chance, this is his only chance to get a max deal. You know, I, I obviously don't think he'll get it. Obviously, I don't think any of us do. But if he, if credit to him, man, if he comes out and, and balls out this season, he could, I could see a team giving him a lot of money, if not the paces. But then again, if he comes out and performs subpar, like I think he did you know, during the restart, what team's going to give him a lot of money? You know what I'm saying? So I think Victor Oladipo has got a, a ton of of money to lose this this season. And, you know, in, in terms of Miles, I think that's more the paces and him and, and that relationship could end this season. I could see it ending, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for his career. You guys know my stance on that. So I think Vic's got a lot more to lose. Yeah, I think it's Victor Oladipo is arguably the most under pressure player in the Eastern Conference this season. Um, as you said, he's got an expiring contract. He's potentially looking at a maximum contract if he can get back to all star level or improve on that level uh, and become a superstar. Um, I think the the difficult thing is that we haven't seen that in two years. It's been two years and we haven't seen any change at all. Uh, it from or any sign at all of that player aside from that game winner against Chicago. And that was, you know, not a great game overall. His first game back, he looked shaky. Uh, he's looked shaky since. So, you know, the, the best case scenario for the Indiana Pacers is that the old Victor Oladipo somehow miraculously comes back. The positive, this is my city, all-star, you know, leading player on this roster. Um, I think... I want that uh, despite all the water under the bridge, despite all the mixed messages, despite all the weird posturing over the past 12 months, that would be fantastic. Indiana needs an all-star to be able to contend alongside miles, alongside Malcolm, alongside TJ miles. Um, and Victor is that, that guy. Uh, but right now, I guess the, the consolation prize to the old Victor coming back is Victor improving his value. And, and Justin, Indiana not getting, uh, not losing Victor for nothing. Yeah, that's it. Obviously, Austria labelled that doomsday scenario where Fellow Depot um, doesn't play well or even plays well, and then we, you know, we get no offers for him and he leaves in free agency. We all know we can't lose a player for nothing. Um, my thing is, if if he's still a pacer after the trade deadline, no matter how he plays, that that just means that I, no teams want him or the offers we got were absolutely terrible. Um, he doesn't want to be in Indiana. You know, there's rumours going out there now that he, he might want to stay in Indiana. Yeah, because Miami Heat don't want him now. So, um, 
it, it just sounds like he's he's having paces as his fullback option, which I hate. Um, yeah. He's my favourite player on the team, but I, I still want him gone because he's just shown a, a lack of interest and everything he's said since really he's got injured is nothing about the team. It's all about getting the most money possible. But, um, you know, we, we've touched on that before. Uh, I, I want to ask you two something, and that's, you know, I went through the top eight teams in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, and you can tell every team but the Packers for me who they're building around. You know, you've got, you know, Toronto with Siakam, Boston with Tatum, um, all that. Can you guys name me who the Pacers are building around? That one player. It's got to be Sabonis, doesn't it? Well, interesting, isn't it? I, d- I don't know. I don't know who they're building around because there's, you know, there's three, we've seen three different incarnations of this Pacers team over the last two years. We've seen a Victor Oladipo led Pacers team. We've seen a Domas Sabonis led Pacers team. And for a very brief period, we saw a TJ Warren led Pacers team. So we've seen three different offensive weapons uh, have the, the capacity to have carry the offense for this team. We played through those three players. So, you know, I, I don't know where the primary offensive option is on the Indiana Pacers roster. I think it's great that we have multiple options available, but I think you, your team clearly needs an identity and you need to be able to understand who, what, who the pecking order is so that, when there's a minute left and you're down by two points, yeah. who are you giving the ball to? Who are you running the play for? There's and only right now, so who, many. There's who only knows? So, no. We, we don't know. We say for the paces, it's like game by game situation. Who's played well deserves the last shot. That shouldn't be the case. Like every team's got their clutch player, Damian Lillard, you know, Kawhi, those sorts of players. The ball's in my hand. We, we don't have that with the paces. Oladipo was the guy for a season, but you saw... TJ Warren stepped up when he was on fire. Brogdon hit big shots. But it's there's just we need that player. This is my team. This is my shot. And the the other thing I'd like to add to that is I just named three players on the starting lineup, but I didn't name the guy who who was uh leading uh the Eastern Conference, I believe, in clutch points at different points this season, which is Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon was a fourth quarter player at different points this season, and he he scored some key buckets down the stretch for Indiana and, and carried the offense in late game situations. So there's four out of your five starters that at different points have either been your go-to guy down the stretch or carrying the load of the offense. I, I'm not sure, you know, if you can sustain having so much shared between so many. Um, Alex, what do you think? I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree. But at the same time, you look at it and say, well, you know, we're, we could possibly have four different sets that we run here in the last 10 seconds and, you know, being completely honest, Nate McMillan had zero creativity when it came to, to last second plays and inbound plays. And we know this, I think with Nate Bjorken and and his offensive mind, I think having that many options isn't a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. And, um, you know, we saw miles hit a clutch shot against the blazers. We saw multiple clutch shots, I should say. Brogdon, like you said, has been clutch. If Oladipo can start hitting clutch shots again, I get what you're saying, Justin. I think it is important to have that go-to guy, and I wish Oladipo was still that. Or I wish we could you know, bet on him being that guy every game. But at the same time, you have to look at it and having multiple guys that you can trust to take that last shot and, and not just having to you know, put all your hope in one guy and the defense can collapse on him or 
you know, double team off a screen or, or, you know, easily set up for it because they know what you're going to run. I think it's a better option to have multiple guys, but you know, I, I can see both sides of the story. Well, I mean, yeah, we lived through that in the Paul George era with Cavs loading up of him in the playoffs and, you know, there was that CJ Miles biff they had and yeah, yeah. we didn't want that where Paul George is getting double teamed, no one else can take a shot. But it was more about, yeah, well, who do you guys think is the identity of the Pacers? Who are we actually building around? What's our identity? And yeah, you, Alex, you said Sabonis. Um, Adam, you said um, you don't really know. And yeah, I'm, I don't really know. Like, well, I think that the prototypical team that everyone looks to when you don't have one of the best three players in the league is the 2004 Detroit Pistons, funnily yeah. enough, for, yeah. for how you can win a championship. And if you look at that team, they had Chauncey, they had Rip, and they had Rashid with, Ch- with Tayshon and, and Ben Wallace uh, being primarily defenders. Um, but they still gave it to Chauncey down the stretch. They, they still knew who the guy was down the stretch, but they carried the scoring load across multiple players. And that's, that's your best-case scenario for this club. If everyone is clicking, if the chemistry issues are fixed, you know, you have a defensive presence, you have, um, you know, leading scorers in three different positions on the floor and you have uh, a, a key wing defensor, defensive player in Oladipo uh, that can lock down, you know, anyone in the East uh, in that guard and, and smaller swing sort of range. So, you know, that's, that's how this is clicking on all cylinders. But I think the key for me is who are you giving it to when the game's on the line? Um, I think, you know, everyone can get theirs uh, and they will, you know, Domas will get 18 to 20 points. TJ will, TJ Warren will get 20 points. It remains to be seen if Victor can get around that mark as well, but if he can um, and Malcolm and, and Miles can still, get shots away, then, you know, that offense is clicking and, and all of a sudden it's, it's extremely potent because um, that's the, the ceiling of this team. But there's so much to be said for Victor Oladipo's uh, downward trend over the last two years post-injury, um, during and post-injury. And um, Alex, it, it just all rests on his shoulders. If he can't get it right or if Indiana can't trade for a player who can replicate even 80% of what he gave, then this team's not going anywhere. 100%. And I want to ask this to you guys, actually, because I was thinking about this earlier in the day. If, you know, if Oladipo does come back to the paces next season, which is looking like it's going to happen, and he balls out, he gets back to all-star form, starts playing well, but still doesn't want to be an indie, you know, where do you think his value, even, even if we have to wait to the deadline, do you think he'll have enough value to get something of value in return? If he's an all-star um, and if he returns to that level, absolutely. I think, you know, there's every, I think at that point though, you, you're getting, you're getting a first rounder and you're getting a rotation player. You're not getting another all-star back. You're not even getting a borderline all-star back. You're getting a, a good player and you're getting a, a hopefully a lottery pick um, for Victor Oladipo at the deadline, a team that that really needs to, to get over the top. I mean, a team like, um, you know, multiple teams have, have first round picks that are owned by different clubs. Um, Oklahoma is one of those. Um, I think uh, New York has Dallas's pick, for example. So there's a couple of picks that they own. So, you know, there's clubs that have more than one pick and potentially one of those will end up being in lottery. So that's probably what I'd, uh, I'd lean to because I, Justin, there's, there's no real way that you get anyone close to an all-star back. 
No, there isn't. But to kind of answer your question a bit more, Alex, as well, I I wouldn't want him on the. I don't want him on the team if he doesn't want to be a part of the future. Like if I'm Kevin Pritchard, you have that conversation here. I'm I'm hopeful he's already had it. Saying, do you want to be here long term? Because but do you think KP is going to take that gamble right now? Do you think he's saying, well, you know what, we're going to see, we're going to bet on Vic being an all star. Do you think he's going to take that gamble or no? Well, I mean, from all reports, he's going to have to because no team wants him. <laughs> like, yeah. we're, we're not going to cut him. <laughs> like, you, you, it's unfortunate that we're probably going to have a player, a quote-unquote star player, be on, be on the team who, who fans know that he doesn't really want to be here. Um, KP's kind of being pushed into a corner again, and it's unfortunate. But, um, look, I'm still hopeful he'll be traded before opening night. Like, Rumours are rumours. I, I still see someone like, you know, there's been rumours about Milwaukee. They have to go all in this year. They have to. If, if they don't make the NBA finals, you cannot. I'm all about star players staying in small markets. But yeah. if you don't at least make the NBA finals, no one can begrudge Giannis for leaving. It means they didn't even make the NBA finals in his tenure. Like, he has to go. So someone like Milwaukee, they should go all in on an Oladipo. Like, chips in. Yeah, he, he hasn't shown much lately, but we get Oladipo, who's shown he can be an all-star, um, and it gives Pacers potential of doing a three-team trade. So that's ideally what I want, and I hope. Yeah, and but it's interesting that you said three-team trade, because looking down the roster of Milwaukee, there's, there's just nothing that no seems appealing whatsoever for what the Pacers have, what they would potentially need without Oladipo and what they're trying to build. I mean... You know the the most valuable thing that Milwaukee have right now is the Pacers' first round pick because I think it's around nineteen twenty right now, um, and the Pacers don't own a first round pick. But um, you know, I I would say that there needs to be a third team involved for either a, a young player that can grow into something or an existing pick in in this year's draft. Um, if Milwaukee want to trade for Victor Oladipo over the next month. Um, and I don't know what Milwaukee can pass on to that third team uh, in order to get what they need. I mean, Eric Bledsoe doesn't really have a lot of currency right now. He's, his currency is arguably lower than Oladipo's, given his performance in the playoffs. Um, you know, those picks that Milwaukee have their own and, and Indiana's, I guess they have a little currency, but overall, they, they don't really have a player that they would want to trade, that they... Um, uh, that another team would want that would give Indiana the return that it probably expects for a player of Oladipo's uh, caliber, which is where I think it'll end up in a standoff. And um, with the the turnaround time left in the season, uh, only six weeks remaining, I just can't see this ending any other way than uh, just same old roster uh, with this year compared to last. I'd, I'd be disappointed. I'd, I know I probably I'm starting to lean towards you two saying we're going to run it back, but I'm st- I'm going to be disappointed if we're sitting on opening night and we've got the exact same roster with one different bench player. I just think you you fired Nate McMillan. You have to make a move, and I'm going to throw it out there. Um, there's a bench player that I think the Pacers should get. <laughs> uh, he's probably been our bench player of the last decade. Like honestly, going through the our bench players has been the best. I think it's time. The Pacers do a big push to get uh, our man back, Lance Stevenson, back on the Pacers. Born ready. Born ready. Uh, with with Jeremy Lamb not uh, mm. suiting up this season, Alex, is uh, is a born ready TJ McConnell bench backcourt something Whoa. that, uh, that you <laughs> see yourself dreaming about tonight? 
I know Justin goes to bed dreaming of that every single night, mate. <laughs> but, imagine, um, imagine the highlight mixes you could do, exactly, Alex, those exactly. two. Exactly. Born wet, ready, and white <laughs> Iverson passing to each other. I mean, the great thing is, like, McConnell shares the ball. Stevenson likes flashy passes. I think that would be an exciting... Like, it, let's face it. It's it's highly unlikely the Pacers contend for a championship this season. Spoiler alert, Pacers Nation. I'm sorry. Uh, I know that you probably believe that every season we contend for a championship. It doesn't look likely this season unless something dramatic happens, like we trade for Drew Holiday. Um, but uh, I think... We need a bit of uh, a bit of positivity in 2020, and the man to turn 2020 around is Lance Stevenson. That that is one man way. was going to do it. Yeah, if one yep. man was going to make the world a better place, it would be Lance. Make him dance, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. He can. It's it, 2020 has been a crappy year for just about everyone. Lance Stevenson needs to come back on a basketball court and make us smile again. That's what we need. I mean. Look, but the bottom line is Lance is still a very talented basketball player. I mm. think he's a positive locker room uh, influence. I think he's an eclectic guy. I think, you know, Nate Bjorkren clearly is a positive guy as well. I just can't see how this fails, Justin. But for sure. And I don't know if I told this story before, but obviously I had the privilege of meeting some players. Apart from Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson was the one guy who wanted to meet me, wanted to talk to me. I was some random Australian guy. He took the time to talk to me. I was sitting while he was shooting around. Nicest guy ever. And you just see he's got that positivity around everyone. Miles Turner comes out and said he loves him. You know, best teammate he's ever had. So, and he can flat out hoop. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I've mentioned it before. He's the player you want in the playoffs going up against a LeBron. I wouldn't be surprised if Lance Stevenson is our top scorer one night in a playoff game because he brings that energy, that intensity where he can score 20 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. So um, I think it's time we get him back. If you follow him on social media, you can see he's working his tail off to get back into the league. I think he's definitely still an NBA caliber player. Um, We know the Pacers love him. We know he plays the best for Indiana. Um, I just think it's time to get him back. Like, you know, there's all them rumours he was meant to be last season before COVID. I believe that. It sounds like it's true. So why not let's offer him a contract this year and uh, let's let him ball out. Yeah, I think um, we we always talk about, uh, about how good Lance was for Indiana uh, as a city, how the city embraced him, the fans loved him, and there would be just no better story for a Pacers fan, I think, than the Lance coming back and, and injecting some positivity into this locker room because I think there were a lot of stories about how people were tired, angry, you know, frustrated at the end of last season. And you need a guy with that positive energy. And it used to be Victor Oladipo. Two years ago, prior to the injury, it was Victor Oladipo. He um, led this team in terms of their chemistry, their approach, their positivity. And I, I think we need, we need Lance back. We need him back. Um, guys, uh, any final thoughts on the draft? I don't believe we'll bring an episode before the draft unless there's a dramatic trade that is made. Um, I'll just ask one question, and that is, uh, Alex, do the Pacers make a pick in the first round of this year's draft somehow? Um, I say no right now. But what I will say is keep your eye out on a, uh, a guy that played in the NBL, played for Southeast Melbourne, Terry Armstrong. Uh, he's a guy that reportedly the Pacers are pretty high on. He's a good shooter, so uh, keep, keep your eye on him. And Josh Green. 
too, who's an Australian guy who played for Arizona, uh, apparently going to be picked in the first round. So there's a lot of Australian guys in this draft. I mean, obviously there's guys that played in the NBL like Lamelo and RJ Hampton. Um, there's Josh Green, obviously. So Justin, are we making a first round pick? Is this a year that we move up into the first round and pick Josh Green, an Australian? Oh, you guys have heard me preaching it all year. I, I, my heart says yes. I really want us to get a first-round pick. It's time to just swing for the fences for once, and try and you know bring in a, a prospect who can play well. And uh, so I'll just I'll just say yes. We we will have a first-round pick before the U.S. election is resulted. <laughs> Love the positive energy. Uh, look, I I'm going to say that we do have a first round pick somehow. I'm going to say that there is a roster move somehow, some way that gives the Pacers an injection of youth. Um, I think Goga obviously last year uh, was there was high hopes. He didn't live up to those expectations. A lot of pressure on him leading into year two, um, but. Uh, I think there's uh, there's a significant chance that we bring in another uh, another young player. Guys, thanks for being with me. Uh, this has been the Paceroos, uh, and we will come to you hopefully with a draft day trade in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.